Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. I do encourage you to check out our other podcasts. Right now we're playing The Amazing World of Radio featuring Top Secret, a 1950 espionage drama starring the great Ilona Massey. We have a new episode up every Wednesday, and you can subscribe over at amazing.greatdetectives.net. Also, check out the video version of this podcast at videotheater.greatdetectives.net. And for a really comprehensive look at old-time radio during World War II, check out our 277-part series, The War at thewar.greatdetectives.net. Well, there is still one missing episode in the airmail mystery, uh, so we are going to bring you uh, episodes 8 and 9. Uh, let's go ahead and take a listen. Enjoy the romance and thrill of flying the airmail, you will enjoy following the story which we unfold for you now. During the past few weeks, Trans-American Airlines have been losing their latest high-speed airmail planes under very mysterious circumstances. Miss Irene Delroy and Sergeant Fitzgerald have been detailed by the Department of Justice to discover the identity of parties responsible for the wrecking and robbing of the mail planes. Jimmy Gifford, roving newspaper reporter, is assisting Miss Delroy and Fitzgerald. They feel they are about to apprehend the guilty party when a fourth ship is robbed and the pilot, Andy Andrews, is found dead at the control. Investigation discloses that Andrews has been shot at close quarters and as the trio are concluding investigation of his death, a strange airplane roars by overhead. Autogyro, ma'am. That's the way the mail thieves get out of this canyon. A windmill plane. Right you are, Sergeant. There's your answer, Miss Delroy. 
Whoever killed Andrews and robbed his plane used an auto-gyro to get out of the canyon. Not so loud, Jimmy. We don't want Powers to know Andrews has been killed. Did you get the numbers on that ship, Fitz? No, ma'am. There was no numbers on it. Guess they'd been painted out. But that's the ship we're after, all right. We haven't a ghost of a chance to find it now. Or they can set that plane down in any one of these canyons. Cover it up with some brush and it'll take an aerial bird dog to find it. I'm afraid you're right, Jimmy. But we're not going to let that stop us. Right now, Sergeant, let's get Mr. Powers and start back to Metropolitan Airport. Yes, ma'am. I have a few telephone calls I want to make. There's nothing else to do here. Well, Powers is waiting in his car over on the road. He looks worried, ma'am. You know, somehow I don't trust that fellow Powers. He's too cool, too crafty. There's something in that man that I can't read. Yeah? Well, you're a reporter, Gifford, not a detective. Powers didn't have nothing to do with these crashes. His job is to make that airplane company pay, and he can't do it by cracking chips up. Just the same, Sergeant. He bears watching. Yeah, well, you can watch Powers. I'm going out after that phony ranger that took those operation schedules and that dummy Magneto from us. I'll get him if it's the last thing Fitz. I... Yes, ma'am? I want to get back to Metropolitan as soon as possible. Yes, ma'am. Uh, Powers' car is right over this way, Mr. Metropolitan Airport. No, Mr. Powers isn't in. He's expected back shortly. Yes, sir, I'll tell him you've called. Metropolitan? No, sir. We haven't located 655 yet. No, Mr. Powers isn't in. I'm sorry. I don't know, sir. Oh, Mr. Powers, I'm so glad you're back. Yeah? There have been so many calls for you. I told them I didn't know anything about Andy's ship yet. Good. We've just come back from the canyon. The ship is a total loss. Andrews is missing. Missing? You mean he... I, I don't know anything yet, Maisie. Come in, Miss Delroy and Sergeant. Open the door to my office, Gifford. We'll go in there. Right. Oh, I uh, suppose the newspapers are after me. Yes, sir. They've all been calling. 655 is eight hours overdue in Plainview, and they want to know what's wrong. Well, keep them guessing. We don't know anything ourselves, and I'll be hanged if I want a gang of reporters snooping around. One is bad enough. Thanks, Powers. We'll be in my office in case the directors call. I'm out to everyone else. Yes, sir. There's a private telephone on my desk there, Miss Delroy. Thank you, Mr. Powers. Get the telegraph over the Yes, sir. Take a few notes, will you, Jimmy? Right. Trans-American has lost four valuable mail shipments. All four planes were lost in Devil's Canyon. Uh, here's the telegraph office, ma'am. Good. Get Roberts, the radio man, in here, Fitz. Yes, ma'am. Hello? Take a message. Department of Commerce, Aeronautics Division, Washington, D.C. Ready? Here it is. Wire immediately... Names and addresses of all purchasers and licensees of autogyros in western part of the United States. Signed, Delroy, Department of Justice. That's the stuff, Irene. That'll give us something to work from, at least. Wait a minute, Jimmy. Hold the wire a moment, will you? If you'll pardon me, Miss Delroy, I'll... Oh, just a second, Mr. Powers. You'll probably be interested in this next telegram. One more, please. Ready? Postmaster General... Post Office Department, Washington. Recommend all existing airmail contracts with Trans-American Airlines Incorporated be suspended pending investigation of inability to maintain schedules. 
Signed, Delroy, Department of Justice. Wait a minute. You can't do that. You can't send that telegram. It's sent, Powers. You can't do that. Do you want to ruin the company? Sorry, Mr. Powers. Until this matter of looting the United States mail is cleared up, this department recommends the suspension of all airmail flying on your line. But, Miss Delroy, just because we've had a little trouble... We've had more than a little trouble, Powers. We've had far too much trouble. Now, sit down. I want some information from you. You've no right to suggest that our contact be suspended. Sorry, Powers. It's already suggested. And I rather expect it will be official before morning. If it is, I'll carry it to the Supreme Court if necessary. That's up to you. Right now, I want some information. Sit down, please. Uh, all right. But you're ruining Trans-American Airlines. And if these crashes keep up, we'll ruin the public confidence in aviation. Take some more notes on this, Jimmy. Shoot, Irene. Devil's Canyon is 90 miles from Metropolitan. How fast are these fast mails cruise, Powers? Uh, about 180 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Thirty minutes flying time to the canyon. The eastbound left with Andrews in charge at 10.29, is that right? Yes. At 11 o'clock, he was over the canyon, is that right? Uh, if he's on schedule, yes. Jimmy, what time did we leave Salt Flat for Devil's Canyon? 11 o'clock, Irene. And we arrived at the canyon just 45 minutes later, huh? Right, 11.45. How long had we been at the scene of the crash, Jimmy, when Mr. Powers arrived? Why, not over 15 minutes at the most. That would make you arrive at approximately 12 o'clock, correct, Mr. Powers? Uh, I, I believe it was 12 o'clock, yes. And you say you started for the canyon when you heard Andrews report motor trouble. Yes, naturally, I was worried. I knew of the money shipment. Will you tell me, Mr. Powers, how you drove more than 90 miles of mountain road in your car in an hour's time? Uh, I... Do you mean to tell me that you drove that road at 90 miles an hour? No, uh... To arrive at Devil's Canyon at midnight, Mr. Powers, you had to leave here before Andrew's ship took off, didn't you? No, I didn't. I... I want the truth from you, Powers. You left before Andrew's took off, or at about the same time, didn't you? Well, yes. What about it? And if you were driving along the road at 11, you didn't hear Andrew's radio for help, did you? Well, no. I want the truth now. What made you drive to Devil's Canyon tonight? I, uh... You've been beating around the bush long enough, Powers. You either make a satisfactory answer to my question or I'll order your arrest. My arrest? For what? On suspicion of violating postal regulations. You mean you believe I had a hand in those mail robberies? You can't mean that, Mr. Roy. Oh, yes, I can. We're not overlooking a single thing in this case. You arrived at Devil's Canyon altogether too soon to have left after Andrew's radio for help. I want to know what made you take that drive. Hmm. You can't bluff me, Miss Delroy. You know that I didn't have anything to do with that robbery. Prepare yourself for a shock, Mr. Powers. Robbery is no longer the main issue in this case. Oh? Then, uh, what is it? Murder, Mr. Powers. Cool, deliberate murder. What? You heard me. Perhaps you'll be interested in knowing that Andrews was murdered not five minutes after he landed his ship in the canyon. Well, I can't believe I it. I know you thought it was a crash, but it wasn't. Andrews made a safe landing. He was sitting in the cockpit dead when he found him. But the ship was burned. A time bomb set fire to the ship a few minutes after we reached it. But not before we made a few discoveries. Uh, what discoveries? There was a time clock in the ignition circuit of that plane. Someone knew that Andrews would be right over that spot at 11. When the clock clicked, the ignition was cut off. I want you to tell me why you left for the canyon as soon as Andrews took off. Aren't you a little hasty in accusing me of complicity in this crime, Miss Delroy? After all, I'm as anxious as you are to see the things told and the guilty parties convicted. I'm paid to run this airline, not to wreck it. You're evading the question, Powers. 
Why did you leave Metropolitan for Devil's Canyon as soon as Andrews took off? Because I figured he'd run into trouble, that's all. You must have had some reason for that assumption. I did. What was it? I told you I was interested in solving this case as you are, Miss Delroy. Yes. Well, I am. I'm even more interested. I've spent five years in building Trans-American from a barnstorming organization into one of the nation's greatest airlines. And I'm not going to let a band of mail thieves wreck my ideals. I've been doing a bit of investigating of my own. Indeed. Whether you believe me or not, I've progressed further into this mystery than you have. I at least have evidence that the work is being planned, if not actually executed, by an employee of this company. Andrews? What made you ask that? Oh, I don't know. Just trying to frame a story for you. Andrews is dead, you know. You could tack the crime on him. What you think makes no difference to me, Gifford. To whom do you refer, Powers? I have reason to believe that our radio man, Roberts, is in active touch with whoever is wrecking our ships. Roberts? What makes you think that? Several things, Miss Delroy. First, Roberts was found in my office when the operation schedules were stolen. Yes? Second, Roberts came out from under the influence of that gas all too suddenly. Then I found a key to my private office on Robert's key ring. Where's Robert's now? We sent the sergeant for him. When we first came in, Irene. Oh, yes. You've neglected to answer my question, however, Powers. I still want to know why you drove to Devil's Canyon. If you must know, I was following someone. Who, Robert? No. A man I saw Robert speaking with tonight. Robert gave him a message. What sort of a message? A typewritten message on one of our telegraph blanks. Did you see this message? No, but I read the impression of the typewriter keys on the sheet of paper that was beneath it. It was quite legible. You remember the contents? Uh, yes. It said, 655 will be over the canyon at 11. No signature? No. Then how do you know Robert wrote it? I saw him. Saw him write it. Put it in an envelope and hand it to the man. You followed his man to the canyon? I tried to, but unfortunately I lost him. We're going to check up on your story, Powers. We're going to face Robert with these facts and ask for an explanation. He's dead, man. Stone dead. A suicide. What? You can't mean that, Fitz. It's true. I just seen him. He's in his room, ma'am. Oh, there must be something wrong. Are you sure it's Robert? Sure, I know Robert. He plugged himself. Square between the eyes. I came right back here to notify you. You want to go up there, won't you, ma'am? Certainly, Fitz. Where's Robert's room? Right between the signal tower and the radio room, ma'am, on the third floor. Powers, wasn't he supposed to be on duty tonight? Why, uh, yes, he was. Does he live upstairs? Yes, we've uh, fitted out a room for him so he could be near the set. Since we've started night operations on such a large scale, we've had to keep him around most of the time. Don't you have a relief operator? Yes, he comes on at 7 in the morning. I see. Well, lead the way, Fitz. We'll call for the coroner when we finish our investigation. Coming to me? Surely, Irene. Mr. Powers? Uh, if you don't mind, I'll uh, stay down here. I'm rather... Uh, that is, I... Very well. Go ahead, Sergeant. Yes, ma'am. There's something mysterious here. I want to see why Robert decided to take the easy way out. Yes, ma'am. You know, I thought it was sort of funny myself. Uh, this way, ma'am, up these stairs here. Do these steps also lead to the signal tower? Yes, ma'am. Robert lives uh, in this wing here. Uh, here's the room, ma'am. He's inside. And the door's locked it. Yes, ma'am, I locked it. Here's the key, ma'am. Very good, Sergeant. Was the door locked when you first came up? No, ma'am. I knocked a couple of times and didn't get no answer, so I just went in. He doesn't seem to... Oh, there we are. Now, don't move a thing, Fitz. No, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Just as I thought. Close the door, Jimmy. What's wrong, ma'am? Nothing's wrong, Sergeant. Just a hunch. 
Put on that extra light over the bed, Jimmy. Right. Did you change this man's position, Pip? No, ma'am. I, I turned his head a little to make sure it was him. He's dead, all right. There's no doubt about that, Irene. Right between the eyes. Nasty job, too. Look at the size of that hole. You can spare the details, Jimmy. What I mean is, you didn't change Robert's position on the floor. No, ma'am, I just... Say, that guy was laying on his face before. What do you mean, Pitt? I mean, Roberts was laying face downward when I came downstairs to get you. Are you sure, Sergeant? Yes, ma'am. I turned his head a bit to make sure it was Roberts, but I didn't turn his whole body. Holy mackerel, look. His pockets have been emptied. Right, Sergeant. Also, his inside coat pocket. A hasty job, too. Say, what's going on around here? Take it easy, Sergeant. Was that window open when you first came in this room? Uh, I don't remember, ma'am. I rather believe it was closed. Oh, don't touch it, Jimmy. It may contain fingerprints. You mean Robert wasn't a suicide? Did I say that, Jimmy? Well, no, but... It's bad practice to jump at conclusions, even in this business. Let's take a look at things. When I sent you to look for Robert, where did you go? Uh, I went downstairs to the radio room. But there wasn't anybody there, so I looked out on the ground. And there wasn't nobody there, either. Well, I called the hangar, and the night mechanic said Robert hadn't been there since he'd serviced the 9 o'clock plane. Oh, what? Uh, Don't take all night. Well, so I asked the switchboard dame where he was, and she says, Ain't he with you? No, he ain't with us, I tells her. So then she says he was up in his room a few minutes ago, and so I comes up here, and I find him. You say the door was open? Yes, ma'am. With a light on? Yes, ma'am. Uh, except the one we turned on just now. And you don't remember about the window? No, ma'am. How about this closet door fitting? Is it open or closed? Closed, just like it is now. Did you open it? No, ma'am. I, I went right downstairs to get you. Too bad, Fitz. Had you opened that door, you'd probably come face to face with someone who could have given us a little light on this mystery. You think that somebody killed Roberts and then hid in that closet? I didn't say he killed Roberts. Robert's death may or may not be suicide, but I do know that somebody has been in this closet. He may still be in there, all we know. Yeah? Open the door, Jimmy, and stand back. Ah, it's empty, Irene. Just a minute, Jimmy. I'm going to step into that closet. Mm-hmm. I was right, Sid. Someone has been in this closet for quite a while. Feel the temperature in here. Oh, you can't tell that way, ma'am. You've got to look for cigarettes and paper. That's all right in this place, sis, but I know definitely that someone has been hiding in this closet for quite some time. Ooh, it's close in here. Too bad you didn't open the door to the closet, Sid. Do you think Robert was killed, Irene? I don't know. The sergeant told us it was suicide. How did you figure that out, Sid? Well, ma'am, the, the gun was right in his hand, and there's powder marks on his face. And here's the customary suicide note on his smoking stand. Oh, a note? Uh, Read it, ma'am. Maybe you can figure it out. Address the powers. What does it say? It says, Powers, I have been deceiving you long enough. I am the one who has been keeping the mail thieves to valuable shipments on our plane. Andrew's death tonight was too much for me. I didn't intend to be connected with murder. Send my company insurance to my wife. No signature? No signature. Did you check the handwriting kit? Not yet, ma'am. Take it downstairs and check it with Robert's report. Yes, And ma'am. Sergeant. Yes, ma'am. Tell that uh, switchboard operator to come up here. Yes, ma'am. What can I do, Irene? You might see if there's anything left in Robert's pocket, Jimmy, while I use his phone. Okay. Hello. Give me Powers office, please. Look in the vest pocket, too, Jimmy. Hello, Powers. We're upstairs. I want you to call out the entire night force at once. 
Have them search the grounds and buildings around the airport for any strange characters and bring anyone they find here. Understand? Good. Give me an outside line, please. What's that, Jimmy? A notebook, darling. I found it in the vest pocket. Save it a bit. Hello, operator. Get me police headquarters. What type of a notebook is it? Hello. I want to speak to the night captain in charge of homicide. Yes. Hello? This is Irene Delroy, Department of Justice. Code, Pantrex. Right. Look, we're out at Trans-American offices at Metropolitan Airport. There's been a man killed here tonight. It may be suicide. And again, it may not be. I want you to send us your best fingerprint man and a photographer. That's right. Let's see that notebook, Jimmy. Hmm. Roberts was mixed up in those robberies. Look at these notations. What are they, Irene? Expense figures. Listen. Salary the fifteen, seventy-five dollars. Rent thirty-five dollars. Groceries thirty dollars. Furniture payment seven and a half. Do you think Roberts would be figuring small items like those if he was getting a cut on the mail robberies? Doesn't seem right, does it? Not to me, Jimmy. That's probably the telephone operator. Keep that screen in front of Roberts' body, Jimmy. I don't want to think before we can question it. Right. Oh, uh, her name's Maisie. I heard Paul is the best. Thanks. You're Maisie, aren't you? Yes, ma'am. Come in, please. I'm Irene Delroy. We're working on a little matter for the Department of Justice. I want you to help us about a few things. Will you answer some questions? Yeah, I'll be glad to. Thank you. What time did you last see Mr. Roberts, the radio operator? Just a few minutes before you and Mr. Powers and Mrs. Fitzgerald came back from the canyon. How long before? About ten minutes. Where was he at that time? Downstairs at the control panel. He left the room shortly after? Yes. He said he was coming up here to his room. Did he give any reason for coming up here? No. Did he say anything to you that would make you think there was something important waiting for him up here? No. Did he say anything at all that was unusual? No. Yes. Um, what were you going to say? Well, if he said, if Mr. Powers came in to give him a ring. And did you? Yes. I called him about five minutes after Mr. Powers came in. Did he answer the phone? Yes. That is, I think it would be. Why? Didn't you recognize his voice? It seemed rather strange, Miss Delroy. Of course, he may be sleeping already. What did he say? I told him that Mr. Powers was back, and he said all right. Is that all? Yes, just all right. Now, Maisie, I want you to think hard on this question. It's very important. Did Robert say anything to you that would give you any idea what he wanted to talk to Mr. Powers about? Mm, no. Nothing that I can remember. Did he act as if you were worried about something? No. He seemed, well, angry. Indeed. And he asked if he paused. Yes. What's happening? Never mind right now, Maisie. You get back to the switchboard and don't mention to anyone that Robert is missing. Yes, Miss Bella. Oh, just a minute. You said the voice that answered the telephone didn't sound like Robert. Yes. Did you recognize it as belonging to anyone here at the airport? No, Miss Bella. That'll be all. Thank you. Well, you didn't get anywhere with her, did you, Irene? Oh, I don't know, Jimmy. At least I fixed the time of Robert's murder. Murder? That's what I said, Jimmy. There's no doubt about it. But, Irene, Of you... course the evidence is a bit lacking. But mark my words, someone waited for Roberts in this room and for some reason killed him. You think that Roberts was mixed up in these robberies? That remains to be seen. I do know, however, that he was killed deliberately. And your reason? Just guesswork so far, Jimmy. There may have been something in this room that Roberts needed. He came up here... Probably spent a few minutes getting whatever he came after. 
Then he walks over and opens the door of his closet and gets a bullet right between the eyes. And the murderer? Drags Robert's body away from the door, puts the gun in his hand, and starts looking for whatever he came after. The telephone rings. He's afraid not to answer. And he just says, all right, and hangs up. Before he's finished, the sergeant knocks on the door and he has to duck back into the closet. You mean that he was in that closet when the sergeant entered the room? Yes. And it's probably just as well that the sergeant didn't open the door or he'd probably be with Robert. Jimmy, this whole business is a mixed-up... Hello. What's that? He's dead. He's going to see right away. Quick, Jimmy, that was power. Yes? He says there's someone fooling around in the radio room up here. What? He says he heard the set go on the air and there's no one downstairs at the panel. Whoever it is must be in the room right next to us. You suppose it could be the... I don't know, Jimmy. We're not going to take any chances. We're going into that room and find out. Have your gun ready. If you make any move at all, shoot and shoot to kill. Welcome back. Uh, well, she was not having any nonsense from Powers. Uh, she did not have any time for the lies that he was telling, and I just love how she just went after him and laid it on the line. Great scene. And I also th think she handled the death of the radio operator and investigating it you know, really, really uh, nifty bit of deduction as she worked through that case. The use of an autogyro in this episode sent me out doing some research. The autogyro is uh, often considered the predecessor of the modern-day helicopter. Uh, 
probably the biggest difference with the auto gyro, because there's a lot of differences in how it works, but the big practical difference is that an auto gyro uh, needs a uh, runway to take off from. Uh, it doesn't need it for the landing, but it does, you know, need it for takeoff. And pr- probably in 1932, what they would be using would be uh, the PCA-2, uh, which uh, had one pilot, two passengers, and uh, a weight of about 3,000 pounds. Uh, it uh, had a maximum speed of 120 miles per hour and a range of 290 miles. And given some of the, you know, measurements for how far away this is, um, I, I think that it, it's safe to say that uh, uh, the, the auto gyro definitely would work. Uh, it could uh, fly up to 15,000 feet. So including the auto gyro is a nice touch for an aviation series in the 1932. Now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and Stephen writes in, uh, thank you for sharing this again. It is great listening. Well, thanks so much, Stephen, and I I am glad you're enjoying it, and we've gotten uh, several feedbacks, you know, to that effect. Uh, And this is just such a unique uh, series. Uh, I mean, uh, probably until like three or four years ago, no one had heard this since it first went out. And, you know, it's really just is surprising in how well it stands up, particularly compared to other uh, material from the 1930s. It doesn't feature, like, any big-name actors. We don't know who wrote it, and we know very little about its production. But it's, it's just really an incredibly enjoyable listen. I do want to go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Ken, Patreon supporter since January, currently supporting us at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Alright, well that will actually do it for today. The Airmail Mystery will conclude next week with one episode on Tuesday and one episode on Wednesday. Which is uh, something we're doing because... The Airbnb we're renting for our summer vacation had to move our uh, vacation up a week. So I don't want to go on vacation with uh, the case unresolved. So we'll finish that up next week. And join us tomorrow for The Man Called X. If you do have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.